right. All right, guys. Welcome back to She Wore Red special Pride Month edition. Um, today we have May Law Lawhan. Lawhan. Yeah. I definitely should have asked before we started. Um, I have to put you on the spot like that to break the ice. Oh, wait. Sorry. What was that? Oh, I just said I was going to put you on. I guess I just like it was a little impromptu icebreaker of sorts. Okay. <laughs> she said I didn't sign up for that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, wait. So, what's the icebreaker? The icebreaker was me saying your last name wrong. <laughs> oh my God. Well, everyone says it wrong because, like, my power bills come in with a uh, law horn. They put an R in there. Long. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> what percent um, is Lawhen from? Um, so it's like, um, I want to say like Welsh, Northern Irish. Like that's why it's such a like, um, just, uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not super easy. <laughs> Wait, what? It doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I can't even say it right sometimes. <laughs> period okay speaking of like descent I wanted to know because I met you in Birmingham obviously but are you from Birmingham or are you from somewhere else in the south or whatever so I like to call Birmingham like you know it's sort of my second hometown just because that's where like I transitioned and like you know, met most of the friends that I'm still very close to, but I'm actually from two hours away from there. Um, well, like an hour and a half, two hours um, in uh, Hamilton, Alabama. Um, and I don't know if you know where that is, but it's this mm -hmm. tiny little like town. Um, it's the county seat of uh, Marion County in Northwest Alabama. Um, it's got like 6,000 people, I think. So it's just like itty bitty, like just a little blip on the map. Um, it's not super far from Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, oh. Yeah, that was like the place like growing up that we would go shopping and, you know, that sort of thing. So beautiful. Gotta love it. Like <laughs> traveling to go to the mall makes it a lot more of an experience I feel like <laughs> right <laughs> I would really go to the mall on weekends and just like mess around and do stupid stuff so I probably, same. I just could have you probably you know avoided that if we hadn't had a mall so close by yeah <laughs> Hoover's crazy yeah, Hooper is crazy. <laughs> it's a different world. I really feel like, honestly, Birmingham versus Hoover is two completely different, like, experiences. And I was wondering um, if you're, I guess you did kind of say that you feel like Birmingham is your second home. Did you feel like you were accepted in Birmingham? So I would definitely say yes, but with a little bit of a caveat. Um, so Birmingham like was like the downtown area um, and you know, maybe parts of like Homewood, um, you know, felt like a little bubble 
it was like a little safe haven. But if you went too far outside of it, you know, Hoover, for example, that's when I would start getting weird looks in the grocery store and, and start feeling a little more out of place, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I felt like in Birmingham, all the visibly queer people that I would see would be downtown, you know, near all the artistic and cultural centers and, you know, um, but uh, yeah, Birmingham was like, especially like the UAB campus was like this safe little bubble. Um, but it was a little bit scary because it was like go too far in any given direction. And it's like, wow. you know. <laughs> it's like a radius. That's really yeah. insane. I feel it. I totally know what you mean. You can, the end, and that's why I was comfortable coming to Bur- to UAB in particular. Um Versus the other um, colleges in the state, which I, I just felt were a lot more homogenous, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. I, I'll never forget. I think the moment. Um, so my family really wanted me to go to UA in Tuscaloosa. Um, and, you know, I remember there was a barbecue joint, not like too far from uh, um from campus and I remember one day like in high school um I went in there and it was a bunch of college students in there I was like popping it was like a Friday night um and uh they all looked and were dressed exactly the same and I swear every every guy in there had a polo on like every single one of them and you know like golf shorts and I was like you know, and all the girls were just, you know, a little like, like, you know, sorority girl top, top vibes. And I was kind of like, you know, this is just like my whole family wants me to go to this school, but this city is not my vibe, like at all, you know, and at the time I didn't fully understand why I felt that way. Mm. Um, But, you know, now I'm like, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, well, it's just because I'm queer AF and none of those people were. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so obvious when you're the minority, maybe not to the majority, but you instantly feel like I'm different. And it's interesting you said that I also toured UA and Sanford and I felt the same. I was like, oh, I mean, I want, I wanted more like, 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 just diversity and yeah so it's it's weird it's weird it's like a strange haven that Birmingham is I feel like for people of all walks of life and maybe also bigger cities around here like maybe Huntsville I don't know really all I know is Birmingham and the surrounding areas and I do feel as though the surrounding areas I mean not even just like when it comes to queer people, but also like people who just anyone who's not like straight and white, I feel like is looked at as different in a lot of these areas and you get targeted by even like the police. Oh yeah, it's for sure. It's a totally different energy. Mm-hmm. And it's, re- it's really been in just like an interesting experience, sort of like, 
you know, because before I came out, before I transitioned, like, uh, according to other people, they didn't know that I was secretly queer. Um, but, um, you know, I sort of fit the, like, people thought of me as like straight white male, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, because I kept all of that the the queerness like on lock and nobody knew about it so it was it's been a really interesting experience to sort of like surrender that privilege like you know to like be authentic like the process for this transition has been giving up like the fact that I felt so safe before you know yeah no, that makes sense. I really, I've never thought about it that way, but like, it makes sense because what your, your like costume of sorts, like what you're hiding underneath is the oppressor. So it is safe there. And that gives you such an interesting perspective. I feel like, um, I don't know, like seeing both sides of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like, you know, and like, I think about like healthcare, for example, before it really wasn't a question, it really wasn't a concern, you know, whether I could get treated for something or not, whether I could just waltz into the emergency room and, and feel like I was going to be taken care of. Now it's a question. Now it's a concern, you know, um, like, granted, I live in California now. So I uh, there's a lot more resources here, but, you know, back home, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think there were only two, maybe three, um, practicing, uh, endocrinologists, uh, in Birmingham that I would have been able to get access to. Um, and the only one that I could like easily, reasonably, um, an appointment scheduled with worked at the uh, Magic City Acceptance Center. Um, The problem was they were the only one there, meaning the wait time was, I don't know, like more than eight months. It was some crazy, you know, this was pre-COVID. This was, you know, well before like anything was like overloaded. So, um, you know, it was very absurd to think of having to wait that long, especially when I had first started my transition medically um, through the university, you know, um, in Birmingham. And um, basically when like six months after I graduated, um, they uh, had to stop, like they couldn't continue prescribing me um, my hormones and everything uh, just because like I wasn't a student anymore. Um, So I had to go elsewhere Um, and I couldn't get in in time. Oh, right. Yeah, so I ended up having to drive to a clinic in Huntsville um, every time I went to the doctor, Um, you know, which is, I don't remember now, but like that's two, two or three hours, you know, away from Birmingham. Um, you know, so that that's like such a problem is like for trans people, the access to healthcare is super limited. Like the fact that there's only a few people like mm-hmm. in the state, just like a handful that you can actually get like proper treatment with is 
absurd. And like in so many ways, I've been lucky because like I don't know what I would have done um, had I not been in college when I figured out that I wanted to transition. Um, wow. Because I had access to the student services, you know, you know, I paid tuition, so a lot of that was free for me. But if I didn't go to college, which a lot of people can't, you know, economically speaking, it's not, um, or just financially, it's not viable for them. So, right. you know, like, it's just, it's really messed up that, like, it's not more accessible. Right. You know, especially in the South, like, out here, things are a lot better, not nearly perfect, but better. Um, but in the South, like, there's just no infrastructure for that type of thing. Like, there's yeah. nothing for trans people. Like, it's so limited. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure, like, <laughs> it's um, systemic, right? You know, oh, yeah. there's, it's all, they know that it's, it, they've made it difficult because they, they want to prevent it. And it's, it's really upsetting that we still live in times when being human is not enough for people. It's mm -hmm. very crazy. Um, okay, so something you said kind of made me wonder, if you had not been in college, can you walk us through, if, say, you had started your coming out journey in high school or um, even younger, because I guess um, so many people do um, start to, I guess, understand their sexuality and um, their body and what they want, you know, things like that. Like, you know, everyone, I guess, path is different. So if, if you had happened to come out earlier, would, what would your experience have been like? Um, do you think that it would have been more difficult or so difficult that you would have maybe maybe not maybe not come out fully or started to transition um i guess those are all my questions <laughs> no no i totally understand i think um the thing that is really interesting for for my um experience in particular is that for so many years i was able to sort of um like it didn't really occur to me that I should come out um, until uh, college because before that I was living this really weirdly um, constructed type of double life almost where I was one person over the internet but somebody else entirely in real life um, and it, I was really entrenched in that to the point that I sort of believed it myself, mm -hmm. like that, you know, I don't know how to put it, but it was like, I didn't, it didn't really occur to me. Like I didn't, I wasn't really fully conscious of the idea that I was repressing my own gender and my sexuality as well, um, which was a lot, which for me was more apparent. Um, like basically as soon as puberty started, like I was like, you know, by 
you know, and like, but I just wouldn't admit it to myself. And it was kind of like, oh, well, if this just stays between me and the internet, then it's not real. It's just a feeling. It's not a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sort of was able to do that with my femininity as well. I was kind of like, well, it's, it's a digital thing. It's not real. Um, And it took me until college to, uh, um, to really start to realize like, oh, the things I'm doing in my free time, in my off time, that's the real me. You know, when I go out into the real world, into my classes, to work, I'm performing, but at home, I'm just being authentic. And that's when things started to click. And I was like, oh, I'm living a lie. Um, But, you know, the thing about it is, in a way, I don't, I can't remember exactly how conscious I was of this whole process because some things were just sort of understood, some things were decisions, but um, yeah, I think I sort of protected myself in a way because if I had come out any earlier than I did, um, I would have been screwed. Like it would not have gone well because I was very, by the time I realized I was, trans uh sort of knew how grave that could be if I didn't play my cards right um you know because the thing is just to be like totally frank about it you know I don't know a trans person that doesn't struggle with mental health you know um Mm. it's you know so many like and oh yeah trigger warning here because you know this this is sort of a heavy thing but like um you know, so many trans people deal with suicidal ideation, depression, all kinds of anxieties. Um, you know, I personally am, uh, have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and it's, uh, you know, there's actually a sort of, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's like a, a pretty high co, uh, coincidence, I guess, or there's another word I'm thinking of, but like it happens a lot like with trans people, there's a lot of trans people that are neurodivergent in some way. Um, So the point being that, uh, well, I guess I sort of lost my train of thought there, but the point is, but the point is ultimately that like, I really couldn't have come out sooner um, because number one, um, there were, there was just the fear of losing the financial support that I had um, that was helping me get through college um, with my family. So I was afraid that if I came out to my family, um, you know, that I would lose that support and ultimately have to drop out of college. And I really didn't want that. Um, So actually after I came out publicly, um, since I was in Birmingham, um, was able to uh, keep it from my family for a little while until I graduated. And then I was like, okay, well, I have a degree now. So it's kind of like, um, I don't have much money, but like, I can have a little more of a leg to stand on in terms of surviving, getting jobs. Um, And that's when I came out to my family. So I was very, very strategic about the whole thing, but it was just sort of understood in high school that I couldn't come out because, you know, ideas of being trans, of of being bisexual, just were not going to fly because the stories that I heard back in Hamilton, Alabama, and the people that were queer that I knew, 
um, suffered a lot because of it. Um, you know, I know of uh, there was a, a gay guy in that that I was um, acquainted with that, uh, um, you know, I heard all sorts of things about how his, uh, I believe his father had like um, physically abused him and kicked him out. Um, there was another uh, gay guy in my school that was uh, um, constantly being like, bullied and harassed by um like some of the like churchgoers like that were like really uh very very christian like that was like their whole shtick you know there was like the christian kid lunch table and they just not would not leave this poor gay guy alone because you know they felt like they needed to like save him or something and you know so he would come out go back in the closet come out go back in the closet you know, so I just watched these things unfold and I watched the way, you know, and, and to be fair, there was, a, um, there was someone I believe was bisexual that was treated a little less um, violently, um, but, you know, none of them were received well, you know, it was a big thing when someone was just gay, you know, and not that that's any, like, uh, less significant, but just the fact that that was, people were more aware, people knew what a gay person was, but, you know, back home, it's kind of like, in a town that small, there were a lot of people that didn't even know what a trans person was, um, you know, so, yeah, it was sort of just understood that, like, my queerness, my femininity, all of that had to stay inside myself until I got out of there. Um, and I always had the desire to leave, but I didn't know why. I didn't know why I didn't click. And I just thought I was, oh, I'm a creative soul and like I don't belong in a conservative little town. And that's true. Um, but it was, my feelings were a lot more dramatic than just that. I was like, I have to get out of here or I will die, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did. And then I figured out um, that, you know, after I met um, a fellow trans person in community college, I started to kind of piece it all together. Um, wow. <laughs> Honestly, thank you so much for sharing. I know that was like a lot. And that question was so open that you really could go anywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just rambled. I hope that doesn't answer it, though. It answered it. It really did. And, like, um, I I even feel like in a, a slightly bigger high school, uh, I'm thinking of my high school in Hoover, um, I don't think it would have gone over well in, in our school just to, um, I mean, maybe, like, maybe not everyone would know per se because it is like a lot of people but I feel like I could still see someone being harassed easily for for anything that was a little too um out of the norm if that makes sense so it's really unfortunate it's really 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 unfortunate and I you hate to see the Christians bullying the person that they don't understand you know exactly and you know that's another thing is it's sort of like 
just the fact that you have to question whether um, somebody would be accepted at your high school for being queer is an issue because that means all of the queer people there are, you know, if they come out, they're rolling the dice, you know, but no, like, cis straight person is rolling the dice. They already know that they're accepted. It's understood. It's automatic, you know, yeah. but queer people, like, we don't get that luxury. It's sort of like, you never know for sure if you belong, like, it's always in the back of your head, like, do I fit in this space or not? you know um and I think that's why it's like it's so important for for queer people to have safe spaces and stuff because like the world is not a safe space for us high schools colleges they're not safe spaces like you know the work is never 100% a safe space like you know there's there's no real fully safe haven anywhere unless it's created by queer people for queer people I love that. Yes. Shout out for the rooftop. So we need more spaces. <laughs> for real. <laughs> um, what was it like moving to a new city since you did move from one side of the country to a completely different side of the country? Um, May moved from Birmingham, Alabama to Los Angeles, California. So definitely um I mean, I don't know. Was it a culture shock? It seems like it would be, but that's from my perspective. So it's really, it's really interesting because I actually expected more of a culture shock, but the catch is that it has sort of, um, it, it's been super fulfilling because like, you know, before I left, I was like, well, okay, I'm trans, but I'm also Southern. So it was like, will I fit in? Will I feel at home? Will I be able to adapt to this new culture? And yeah, so far, so good. Like I really have. And it's been, it's been pretty, um, it's been a pretty fluid thing. Like it, I, I haven't felt uncomfortable. I've felt really accepted here in general. And, you know, it's a big city. So there's still that like, you know, don't walk alone at night, you know, energy, but like it's in general, like all of the, um, all of the um, spaces and, and, and venues and things here just feel very queer friendly. Um, there's a lot of resources, like it's, um, it's sort of, it's what I wanted it to be is the thing is I, I was kind of like my, my whole motivation in the first place for wanting to leave Alabama was like, I just need more like-minded people around me. Not that there aren't like-minded people in Alabama, but any like-minded person to me in Alabama is um, either looking to get out or, you know, or they're kind of like very acutely aware of the fact that they don't quite fit it, you know. Um, <laughs> but out out here, it's a little more like the the diversity is so refreshing. Like it's, I just see people walking around that are just super like you know, I'll see like really visibly queer people um, just all over the place, you know, if you go, if you drive for long enough, you just will see like a trans pride flag 
just hanging off some business or out someone's window. Um, you know, the coffee shop that I work at um, actually has, uh, you know, we fly the pride flag every day, like this month, you know, and like it's, it's gay owned and operated, like, um, you know, there's just a lot more, it feels so much more normalized here. Um, you know, and there's been adjustments, like, you know, people still comment on my accent, you know, and I give the whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm from Alabama, shtick, um, and, like, it's, uh, but it's, it's, like, yeah, I, I fit in, because I think that in a place like this, especially Los Angeles, like, this is a place that a lot of queer people have picked to go to, you know, it's, it's a hub for, media and entertainment so it's kind of like of course there's a lot of queer people that want to come here and be like and and put their voice out there and then you know that's sort of what I want to do like as a creative person so yeah like there is there was a culture shock but it also came with this sort of feeling of like oh my god I'm home like this is where I need to be you know like if that makes sense (laughs) Yes, no, that is, I mean, it sounds like a beautiful feeling and you deserve that. So I'm so happy for you that you did get out of Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I mean, you know, another thing is it's kind of like, as much as I love it out here, like something I realized when I got here, I really didn't realize this until I got here, but I was like, oh, I'm actually really proud of being a trans person from the South. I think that that's a really powerful thing. And I went from ideas of like, oh, I'll probably lose my accent after a while to I want to keep it. Like, I want to be connected to the, you know, community back home. I want to like, you know, I want, I want Alabama to be a better place. Like, I want it to be more accepting. I want it to grow. I want it because it could be like, it's a beautiful state. Like there's so many great people there, but, um, you know, the culture just hasn't come around yet in terms of just accepting diversity and, and just like not being such a homogenous place, but it, it, it can change and I want it to change. And I hope that something that I can do with my life is help facilitate that change because, you know, I've sort of resolved that I want to be loud and proud about the fact that I'm queer and from the South, you know? Right. As you should be. And I love that energy, like bringing it back to where you came from and not forgetting your roots, because I think that if everyone, you know, that did leave, because there's nothing wrong with leaving the South, um, especially if you're going for like better opportunities, things like that. Um, But if everybody, like, I guess, was even aware, I guess, would be a good start. (laughs) Just was aware of how maybe they could play a part in making Alabama, making the, the part of the South they came from, like, a little bit more of an accepting place, whether that be through... I don't know, maybe changing the hearts and minds of their families and friends. But I feel like that that's a that's a big ask. Um, so even really anything small to big would be if we all did that. You know, I feel like 
we would eventually see some change. And I love, I love to hate on this state, but I have a, I think it's come in like recent years because I, I finally do see the potential and I do see like how many amazing people there are here. And I, I don't want to lose that. So I think that we can build on it. And we, I mean, it starts with people like you, like people like us, I guess, who want to, you know, just share our experiences. And I think that that is really the only thing that will change people's minds about um, people in the LGBTQ community, minorities in general. Um, but thank you for sharing. And yeah, I think it's just like so important to like, you know, because if I came here to California and I just like sort of forgot and cut ties with everyone in Alabama, sure, that would like make me, well, it wouldn't feel good to me personally, but like, you know, it it's like, I don't have to carry that burden of like, making a place that I um, had so many issues in better, but I want it to be better because I grew up there. And what about the other trans people growing up there? What about like, you know, I don't know. It's like, and I think something else that's like really, um, I, I have realized is just existing as a, as a queer person is powerful in and of itself because like my family has learned a lot just from me transitioning and they had to deal with it they had to process it you know because like you know my mom for example has really come around because when I first came out she was mortified very very hateful about it um and then you know now she just treats me like her daughter um and it's you know and that's that's a huge huge victory because like you know, the more exposure, like, that people in the South have to queer people, and the more that they see queer people existing and being proud of themselves and not and being authentic, the more they sort of have to start accepting, accepting it because, you know, like, it's all too easy to not empathize with somebody over a television screen or over the internet but you know if it's your own kid you kind of sort of have to start considering things if it's your friend if it's your coworker, if it's your you know anyone like when you know someone and you already know them to be human and they come out then you're kind of like oh so I think just queer visibility especially in the south is just so so important which is why I was super hopped up when uh that uh um you know the billboard that came up uh with the it was like the protect trans kids uh billboard in Birmingham um why do I remember like like a little brief <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't I guess I haven't seen this sign do you know where it is um I think it's somewhere near the Red Mountain Expressway but yeah find it I'm gonna find it <laughs> I just remember that uh I, I think it was like the Magic City Wellness Center like 
um, made a post about it. Um, I just remember I like reposted it on Instagram and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Because like, you know, I think back 10 years and I'm like, oh, you'd never see like a trans pride flag in Birmingham, you know, but now like it's getting slowly normalized. Like <laughs> the voices are getting louder and I think people are starting to kind of like realize that trans people are a thing and we're here to stay and they have to deal with it. <laughs> Honestly, I just feel like we, everything you said, what you said was so beautiful about like just existing as a trans person is enough. Like you really don't have to educate anyone. You don't have to, um, you don't have to do anything like you just living your life like being may is like just a testament in itself and yeah we're gonna get there slowly but surely now i want to buy a trans flag just so i can i don't know i don't even know where i'd wave it i guess i could wave it out of my apartment <laughs> i'll put it in my parents yard how about that <laughs> yeah that's the <laughs> um, <laughs> since this is a reading podcast i have to ask are you a reader and if so what is your favorite genre to read so interestingly enough you know it's funny that that we're talking because i can't honestly say that i'm much of a reader okay. but um, I do have some thoughts about that because, okay, you know, when I was younger and in school and stuff, I, I was pretty averse to reading the books that were assigned. Um, and I think I, I was always like somebody who really enjoyed writing, um, but I didn't very much enjoy reading. And now that I'm older, I'm starting to realize, you know, why that is like you know now that I'm out of school um I very much enjoy reading but um I never did it much because a lot of the books and literature and things that I had access to just were either the sort of obvious classics or it just wasn't the type of thing that was super um queer friendly um and so I've found myself a whole lot more compelled lately by ideas of like, um, you know, just articles online, um, you know, just more, more short form stuff, blog posts, like about things or, or just that represents queerness, that represents things in a way that's not just um, the most milk toast thing you can come up with like and so I think I just had an aversion to literature because not not an aversion but it just didn't speak to me in the same way that other mediums did because you know I'm thinking about how like a lot of the music I would listen to was like when I was younger was like you know um like punk rock that was like coming out like at the time like but, you know, then the books I was being exposed to were ones from 100 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Ones before, um, you know, like queerness had any kind of like, you know, obviously in the past century, there's been a lot of like 
queer and feminist literature that just like gets kind of buried that like just gets pushed down and wasn't celebrated um but you know I never saw any of that so that's why I never read much but now that I'm older I'm getting more interested in it because I'm kind of like oh the content that I would like to read about is out there I just wasn't exposed to it um that's such a good visibility again goes exactly trans visibility or just queer visibility in general and I agree like you know it's something I haven't really thought about um and that's because I guess in high school I I hadn't come out as bisexual and I hadn't really explored my own sexuality so in my head I was straight and so I never really kind of thought it through I was like okay yeah a girl falls in love with a boy da, 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 da. like typical um but of course they're not gonna assign us like political figures activists who change you know that stuff that I would have liked to read um exactly things that have to do with our history and that's like you know that's one reason I felt a lot more drawn to other mediums besides like literature and books was because like, I think that, you know, at least from where, you know, the way that I grew up, it was a lot easier to access like more counterculture um, music, for example, uh, comics, uh, you know, more um, drawn a blank, even film was a little more, um, edgy I guess a little more on on the on the up and up with with queerness and just queer issues and, and such but you know again like the books were just not it just wasn't there but it's not because it didn't exist it was because it wasn't being shown to us um but uh like but for example like I've learned a whole lot about things that you know for so I downloaded recently um you know, I haven't started reading it yet, but it's next. Um, it's the next thing I'd like to read. Um, there's the, uh, uh, um, she was a activist and uh, she was black. Uh, I believe she was a lesbian, um, Audrey Lord. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, I downloaded her uh, biomythography because um, I was really interested by that. This this idea of writing a biography, like an autobiography that was uh, um, a little bit uh, po like romanticized, poeticized, you know, like that's a really fun idea. And especially from just a queer perspective, because it's kind of like that speaks to me because the experience that I lived through my life so far up until transitioning was so much in my head that the idea of like having like a little bit of of mythology to your life instead of just like well here's what happened exactly literally you know it really appeals to me and so um yeah that's that's just something I downloaded recently that I wasn't aware of until recently like you know she was a significant activist and I had no idea she existed until very very recently you know um that's and that that's that's what's uh I'm starting to get a lot more interested just in things like 
books and, and literature and even like poetry and such because um, I'm realizing that it is for me. It just wasn't made clear to me before that I could find literature that resonated with me, but. So true. And like, it's interesting because, I mean, I don't know. This is just a theory, but do you think that, because so much of like poetry and I guess literature in general is, open for interpretation almost like movies and you know just art in general and I just was wondering and this thought just came to my head while you were speaking um, and I could be so off base but do you think that the fact that you had not fully like accepted and seen yourself do you think that that projected onto maybe like the books that you were reading and things like that like I can't like literally find myself in this so I can't see myself in it but like but you know if I can't even see myself for who I truly am how could I find myself in the book if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah no for sure for sure and I think it was like a it, it's weird because hmm, I'm trying to think of a good example but like you know, I remember reading like Hemingway in, in high school and stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, as a, a, like as someone who's trans and didn't realize they were trans at the time, you know, I'm sitting there trying to relate to the stoic Hemingway hero. And I'm like, why is this not clicking? Why is, does this not make any sense to me? Right. You know, like, so I think that's the thing is like, a lot of those, um, a lot of the, the literature that we're exposed to just, it, it props up like, um, you know, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, anything I read was necessarily like uh, queer phobic in any way, but it just, it just wasn't queer centric, you know? And it's really, um, it's really hard to find something to resonate with in something that's not like it's not written for a queer audience it's written for like a cis straight audience you know um totally. and that makes the it, it it started so there's just such an idea I feel like with books and such that like there are just like, there's classics, must reads, you know, and that's always been a barrier for, uh, to entry for me. And uh, just a lot of areas, like even with music and stuff, I, I used to think like, oh, I should listen to the classics. Like classic music is better than, you know, like stuff that people are doing right now. That's what I thought. Um, but as time went on, I finally realized like, oh, this is just the older, like queer phobic generation trying to tell me what's significant and what's what matters to history. And I'm like, no, now I have decided that my personal classics are, you know, like trans people in their bedrooms making beat boops on their iPad and like releasing albums and like nobody but like 15 people listens to it and I'm like nope this is a classic this is culturally significant you know um hey, because to, right we are the culture like 
who are y'all to tell us <laughs> what our culture is? Um, exactly, exactly. So there was definitely like this time where I was intimidated by reading books because I was like, well, I haven't read the classics. I've got to read the classics. I need the context. And now I've decided I don't need the context. I'll never read any more of the books that were recommended to me when I was younger. Like I'm done with that. Like it, we're going like just only only queer authors from here on out. That's it. <laughs> You know what? I honestly want to read only queer authors now. You've put me on. <laughs> I just feel like I just I don't trust straight men. Straight <laughs> men, right? Like I just right. don't. I really don't. If you don't have some <laughs> layer of like, if you've never felt oppression in any form, I just don't believe you can empathize and like right from the perspective of anyone who's been oppressed like mm -hmm. I just don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> right and that's such a thing is it's like you know there's obviously like room for like <sighs> sincerity from from you know like basically I think there's just this thing where you have to have some level of exposure at least to like just other cultures before you can write about them before you can put yourself in someone else's shoes but like I think there's so many people that sort of fancy themselves writers when they've never engaged with like you know the queer community with the, you know with the black community with like any anything outside their own community and then somehow they think that they can write about the whole world and it's kind of like no like you can write about your experience, but you can't like, I don't know. I've just seen too many times, like a, you know, even just a, like, like a, a character that's like, maybe um, like in a TV show, like a, a, a cis, but maybe gay character will just be written in the most stereotypical way, you know? And it's kind of like, wow, do you even, like, did the screenwriters here, have they ever even, like, hung out with a gay person, <laughs> you know? That's really what it shows. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, you know, I, I don't know, like, it, and, and for that matter, it's kind of, like, you know, I've heard, I've heard this before, like, there's been people who say, um, you know, they'll watch a movie, or some film, or some piece of media, um, like a, you know, whatever it is. Um, and it'll just be full of queer characters. And, you know, they'll try to say like, oh, well, uh, only uh, whatever percent of people are trans. So it's like totally impossible that you would have this many trans people hanging out together. Um, there would be like one or two trans. And it's like, that's not how that works. If you've ever met a trans person, they know like 50 other trans people and they love them and they're hanging out with them, you know, because like, and that's not always true, but the fact is like, you know, like-minded people, people who share similar experiences come together. So it's kind of like things like that, you know, um, a lot of people who don't have firsthand experience with, with queerness will just like, assume all these things and make all these judgments and I'm kind of like what we need to start doing is giving that stereotypical gay character in our tv shows like give them a gay friend 
and a bi friend and a trans friend because they totally would have made other queer friends in their life. They wouldn't just be this one queer person hanging out with just like 50 straight people and just be like, this is fun, you know, like. <laughs> right, right, something. And I'm not saying like that that doesn't happen. It does, but it's also perfectly normal and perfectly common for queer people to hang out with other queer people. So, you know, and that's just one example of one thing where I feel like a lot of like cis straight writers just have it wrong. They don't really understand the social dynamics. Right, um, right. And that's why things flop, you know, and mm-hmm. someone's money into a project and it's like, when we see it, it's so obvious to us what the flaws are. It's like, mm-hmm crazy obvious to the point where it's almost funny and it it usually will like it'll trend on twitter and everyone will like roast it because it is crazy that they thought that that was a representation of me or like of my friend or something like that Mm -hmm. it's like in what world (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) but i mean amazing okay so like with that in mind, where do you want to see um, our culture shift to in the next, like, what are some hopes that you have for, I guess, the acceptance of trans people um, and just, I guess, um, well, yeah, just trans people in the next, like, 10 to 15 years, what do you want to see um, happen culturally, socially? Um whatever so I think a big thing is that like you know it's it's become somewhat normalized to like acknowledge and and talk about um you know um like gay people like that's that's sort of uh something that a lot of people like at least know what it is trans people on the other hand like it's it's you know we've seen a lot of awareness like this month in particular, like it's been, you know, like, okay, like people are kind of, kind of getting, getting the hint, but like, I think there's still so much work to be done because it's kind of like, I can sort of tell people like I'm trans and they kind of get what that means. But I also, but like at the same time, I can't even talk about my full identity without getting a lot of questions and and like because in reality like I am like a demisexual pansexual bisexual transgender woman you know (laughs) and it's kind of like that is like a lot of people would be like what does demisexual mean what does pansexual mean why are there so many labels there's so many people that want to make less labels there's so many people that want to like get rid of those things and i'm kind of like no like human experiences are very very diverse there's so many different things and we need language for it like we have to be able to talk about it because like you know if we're talking about um you know just like culture about public opinion if we're talking about legislation you have to have language for these things Mm -hmm. um and people want there to be less language but i'm like no there needs to be more language we don't have enough language yet because people are 
infinitely complex, very multifaceted. Um, and, you know, like there's, so right now, like there's a lot of awareness for binary trans people, um, you know, and there's increasing awareness, I think, for um, non-binary people. Um, but, you know, if like I, I, I consider myself, I wouldn't say lucky, but I have the, the privilege, honestly, like of being able to say I'm a trans woman because that's that's simple people people can kind of wrap their head around that but you know there's a lot of people out there that you know oh they might want to they can't say it so readily they can't without expecting questions they can't express that maybe they are um bi-gender or gender fluid or you know any like neutral like any number of of terms like to describe a gender like so many people just aren't familiar with it yet. So I just really want to see a shift in thinking. Um, and I think it'll happen. I think it's starting to happen um, because pe people love to put things in little boxes and have patterns. It's the way we survive. It makes sense. But um, doing that to people and doing that to their identities is not helpful and it's not productive. Um, and I think that um, the 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 overall consensus needs to shift from, well, we have too many labels to, oh, we need to start developing this vocabulary. Like, because it's something to be worked on. It's something to be added to, you know? Because like, there's just like every person, because like at the end of the day, your gender is very much like, um, it, it's, it's user-defined, you know? Like you, you, tell the world what it is because it's part of you it's the world inside of you um and you have to be able to express that and it's if it's really silly honestly to think that every person on the planet can express excuse me um that inner world and their expression and, and um just their whole identity uh, with just a couple of terms. You've got like three words and you're supposed to tell me all about your entire lived gender experience. And that doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't, doesn't add up. Like we need more acceptance and awareness on just the terminology and just being willing to say, oh, like this person has a very just, uh, uncommon gender identity and that's really fucking valid <laughs> like yes wow wow the development of the language is where we need to be headed i love that and i think that it's so important that we all educate ourselves on what these terms mean um just taking that step to understand your fellow human to make their experience on this planet more comfortable. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? It's something that is hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> but <laughs> yet, you know, here we are. But things are changing and we're staying positive. And I'm so happy that you've, you know, had a had a or I guess 
a lucky experience and i i hope that you know we can hope we can start to change things especially our generation i feel like we're getting there we're gonna get there with our generation um i can't speak for the ones before us they're a little harder to crack a little tougher to break but a lot of them just don't understand it and so you know i hate that we 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 may have to educate but we can do it we've done it before <laughs> we can do it again type for thing. sure for sure so much for sharing may of course of course i i guess the only other question that i have is how can our listeners and i know you've kind of answered this but how i guess maybe can you give us one actionable step to become better trans allies um hmm. so i would say like other than just like outright like educating yourself on like um just like i said like terminology the the whole idea because you know there's still um you know there's so many um ways of thinking about it out there and some of them are really toxic you know for example you have people that um, you know, they might call uh, a trans medicalist who are like, oh, well, you're not, you're not really trans unless you transition in this specific way, like, unless you get the surgery, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's sort of, um, it, it's important to sort of wade through all of that and, and like, just take, begin believing trans people when they tell you mm-hmm. what they're experiencing and what it feels like for them. And, what their gender is and no matter what no matter how they're presenting like saying like oh well they say they're trans but they're not really because they're presenting uh the not like you know say it's a trans woman and it's like oh well they say they're trans but they still present masculinely so are they really trans like that kind of stuff is super harmful and toxic um so I think just the, the having that respect to just believe a trans person when they talk about their experiences is a big step, but also just lifting trans people up, like when it comes to, um, you know, like any any work that they're doing, like donating to organizations, like is is a big thing. Like donating directly to trans people is a big thing too. Like you know, if you come through Twitter and, and Instagram and, you know, whatever other platform, like you will, you'll see fundraisers and, and all sorts of things for, for trans people to um, transition. And like, you know, uh, whether it's medical expenses or like getting out of an oppressive household, um, you know, there's been plenty of people through the pandemic, for example, that have been trapped at home. And it's like, that's not good for a lot of trans people, especially if they're um, parents or whoever they're living with um, are transphobic, you know, and, and don't support their transition. So, yeah, um, it's one of those things where it's like, of course, you know, money helps. That's like a big thing because, like, in our society, like, you have to have money to, to live and to um, get like healthcare, which is, you know, that's a whole other topic. That's its own messed up thing but like um 
yeah, I think uh, that, but also just engaging um, with trans people and like uh, sort of welcoming them into, uh, you know, like put trans artists on your playlists, you know, put uh, like, you know, um, read books by trans people, like um, just engage with that culture, even if you're not a part of it, because it's real and so many of us need help because the way our society is here in America and in a lot of other places in the world, um, we, we don't have an easy time. Like it's not, um, we're not 100% accepted. We're not always the first uh, person to be promoted or to be, um, you know, uh, thought of as, as uh, you know, like, creatively or culturally relevant, um, you know, so just follow people on Instagram, listen to what they have to say, like, uh, look at their art, buy their uh, stickers and their, you know, music and whatever, like, uh, you know, just, yeah, like, just engage, like, that's the thing, like, there's so many different ways to engage, but you just, you just work on normalizing it in every possible realm, you know, and, and one day, like, it's, you know, like, we want it to be not a thing, like, I just want to, like, for me personally, like, you know, um, I don't just want to be, like, um, a cisgender woman, like, that's not my goal, like, I, like, it is in the sense that, like, I want to be a woman, but I'm proud of the fact that I'm trans and I want that to be normal. Like I want it to be just like, okay, I'm trans, but you know, also I'm this, 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 and this, you know? Um, because I think that there's, uh, I think that people view um, us as, as novelties almost. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we're trans people are all, you know, beautiful, multifaceted people. And um, just, we just want to be a part of the world, you know, and accept it as such. So yeah, just engage with trans content, engage with uh, like, you know, and another thing is like, take it really, really seriously. Um, when people that you're a fan of or support or, uh, you know, politicians, um, you know, some people have specific issues that uh, will make or break their support for a politician, for example. Um, and uh, like trans rights and uh, just LGBTQ rights in general should be uh, a deal breaker. Like everyone should be like, okay, well, if you don't support trans people, I don't support you, you know? Like, and that's not just for trans people to say, like straight cis people, um, you know, like they should all be saying the same thing. Like we need allies who are like, who value us as like the same level of, of human and the same, like, you know, cause it's kind of like, if you were, um, you know, if a politician was like, uh, hey, I'm gonna take away all the rats from your best friends. <laughs> of course you'd be like, no, not that that could ever happen, but like, you know what I mean? Like, but if no, they say like, oh, well we want, oh, sorry. 
basically they have the power to take things away from trans people yeah exactly they can limit our our access to you know gender affirming uh health care um you know for example i can't uh i it was literally impossible in alabama for me to change my gender marker on my um, license without first having had surgery um and i remember um i had to this was mortifying but i had to call um the because i got a letter from my doctor that was like um you know may has gone through um is going through hormone replacement therapy and is um you know is is transitioning medically as fully as um you know as she wants to and this is you know and my healthcare provider was verifying that well i had to talk to um the head of the medical unit of um like i guess i can't remember exactly but someone who who was very significant uh in montgomery um over the phone um and you know i had to ask her well why isn't this letter good enough and she was like it's because you haven't had surgery um and so basically Mm -hmm. i had like somebody who is over like the medical unit and the government in montgomery um like like the state government like telling me like hey you can't change your gender marker because you still have a penis um which is so uncomfortable and embarrassing um and it uh um it's just really disheartening um so uh yeah, the uh, um, the thing is, is that those things are, are super important because I had to move to California and spend all of the money it took to get out here to just to change my gender marker without having surgery, because it's up to me whether I have surgery or not. That's my choice. It doesn't make me any less of a woman, um, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, maybe like, like, I don't have, it's not like, I have the money right now to get surgery. So is it like, are people trying to say that I have to cover it? So Oh, wait, what was that? Yeah. And they're not covering it. That's something that I have to shell money out for. Exactly. Health insurance. Yeah. So basically what the state is telling us is you can transition if you can pay for it is what they're telling us mm-hmm. only they're they're silencing and erasing trans people that are in poverty um which is a lot of trans people <laughs> um and so those things are super important and it's the it's the voters and it's it's all of the the allies and and um you know, because trans people represent a huge minority. Um, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a very small percentage of just the population that identifies as trans, whether that's an accurate reflection of how many trans people that there actually are is a whole different story. But the catch, the, or the, the point is that, um, yeah, it may not seem significant, 
but um, to a lot of people, but it's super important to make uh, LGBTQ issues like a, a deal breaker politically, make it something that's like, I will accept no less than 100% you know, support for queer people because otherwise, um, you know, there's a lot of lives that are in danger, <laughs> you know, because when people, when trans people can't, um, you know, get gender affirming care and, and, and be treated as the gender they are, um, you know, frankly, it leads to suicide. Um, it, it really does. And, um, you know, uh, that is, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just like, people need to understand the weights of the of these things that each seem small like what's a you know what's what's a letter on my driver's license a letter on my driver's license is not feeling awkward and dysphoric every single time I buy some alcohol or like you know go somewhere like go into a, a bar or a club or somewhere I have to be 21 and show my ID you know like there's like being able to change my documentation, for example, is, is an important step in not constantly feeling scared and being reminded of my transness, you know, and it's hard to exist that way, especially when, you know, like, if you, if, you know, when you're struggling to get your name changed, when you're struggling to get your gender marker changed, it's kind of like, there's that awkward phase where it's kind of like, oh, you realize you're trans, but you're, uh, appearance and your license and your other identifying documents still get you, you know, uh, for a trans woman, for example, like for me, like, you know, there was a long period of time where I was presenting femininely, at least to some degree, but I would still get, sir, I would still get like treated as a man. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, just simple things like changing documentation can help alleviate a lot of those experiences, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, does that make sense? <laughs> no, I've, I've been taking notes and, <laughs> and then we have a new, so this will be, these like action items will be in the newsletter for those of you that wanna check it out. Um, it's the link in our bio per usual. But honestly, May, you have given me so much to think about, so much to explore. Now I'm going to add specifically trans writers to my, um, my book list and we'll be sharing those with you as I find them. So be on the lookout. Awesome. Um, and just thank you again for spending time with me and for sharing your experience with our listeners. I'm sure that they're all going to be like, so, I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot. So I, I know that they're going to feel like they've learned a lot. And <laughs> I hope that you feel seen in our little <laughs> She Will Red community. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you know, uh, I hope I didn't ramble too much, but I hope I hope I got my point, all my points across because it's a lot. I could talk for hours. You know, there's so many issues. You know, like the documentation, like that's just one thing, and a whole myriad of of unique things about the trans experience. So, like, 
it's just like people just got to educate themselves in a lot of ways you know yes and we you know it would be great if our schools would educate us a little more (laughs) yeah that's another thing that's got to (laughs) change yes but until then we'll continue to educate ourselves like we do with Mm -hmm. so many other things um Mm Um, please come back anytime. I would love to hear more. We can go into, because honestly, I loved hearing you speak. Like I could yeah. listen oh, to you, you for hours more. <laughs> oh, thank you. We're definitely have to schedule something again. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Talk, like, because, like minus the camera. We can yeah, talk. yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. No, this has been great. Thank you for having me on. Like, I just, I feel honored. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. I'm, we're all so honored to be here. <laughs> um, was there any social media website, anything you'd like to shout out while you're here, how we can find you? Oh, uh, yeah. So my website is uh, pluckystars.com. And um, Plucky Stars on Instagram uh, as well. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, Plucky Stars, just like a play on Lucky Stars, but, <laughs> but <Yeah>. Plucky. <laughs> Y'all definitely follow her on Instagram. May puts out amazing content. She's a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Is that all you do? Is that your day job? Um, so, I mean, I'm a barista <laughs> for money, but, um, you know, <laughs> um, so I really like coffee, but um, other than that, yeah, like I do graphic design commissions and honestly, I just, I like to create just really queer art. So I just do a lot of um, personal illustrations just, and just post those just like, you know, dealing with like personal and queer topics, you know, so. Heard. I will definitely be checking you 